just one of those D's that the, the devil likes to use to try and mess with God's people. Distraction is one of them. Delay. Discouragement. That's another message. Because we are not discouraged. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for every day. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for loving us so perfectly. For guiding us and directing us and growing us. That we become more and more and more and more like you, Lord Jesus. Being conformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look into the perfect mirror of the Word of God. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for using me today, Lord. Let everything I say be of you. Let anything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, that is not of you, fall onto deaf ears. But let everything else be ignited with fire and passion in the hearts of your children and into all of those who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. In God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. All week I've been hearing that. And a song by Journey. Oh, Journey. That's it. Over and over again. Don't stop believing. In God we trust. In the book of Hebrews, way back toward the back, in chapter 12, and I had a particular verse I was going to share with you, but let's make that a passage. Shall we? (laughs) Let's go back to verse 12. Therefore, so I'm just going to start there to encourage you to go back and find out what that was there for. (laughs) Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sought his birthright for a sink, sold his birthright for a single meal, for you know that afterward When he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. This is talking about Mount Sinai. For they could not endure the order that was given. 
If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, you have come to the Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Unshakable. That's the kingdom that you are a part of in Christ. Amen. The throne of God is unshakable. The word of God is unshakable. The church of God is unshakable and the children of God are unshakable. I like to call us the untouchables. Remember seeing ourselves as the sheep of his pasture and our overseer, our shepherd is Christ the King of kings and Lord of lords. His rod, His staff, they comfort us, they protect us. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Without faith, it also says a page or two back from where we were, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, as children of God, with an awesome Father in heaven, who we want to please, we will stand and walk in faith. Right? Mark 12 interesting little passage of scripture I just want to put in here because the Lord would not leave me alone about it this week and I said what has that got to do with anything (laughs) boy sometimes he laughs at me and sometimes I think he just gave me a good kick in the pants right 
Boy, just shut up and do what I, that's what I That's what I expect to hear from him one day, but he's so patient, so kind. Mark chapter 12. <laughs> Verse 41. Jesus and his disciples were sitting there. They were at church. <laughs> They were at the temple, right? The church of their day, sort of, before there was a church. And verse 41, I'm going to have to put on these other glasses, I'm sorry. Until I can get some glasses, I have to. Switch back and forth through what I can see through the best of the time. Thank you, Lord, for restoring my vision. 2020, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury. That's Jesus. And watched. He's just sitting and watching people go to the offering basket, basically. Okay? He's just watching. Watch the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, people that are people that are in love with their money get scared when they hear stuff like that. Just like when they hear the uh, the parable about the rich young. Um, ruler that came to him and said, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, Jesus seeing his, his character flaw already in the spirit, right? Says, well, you know the, you know the commandments. Started listening. He goes, oh, oh, I've done all that since my youth. So he lied already because we know the word says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? But Jesus perceived his real problem. And he said, well then, he didn't call him a liar. He just said, well then, he called him out on his problem. He said, well then, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And he didn't even put a dollar in the offering basket. He went like this. There's your problem, son. He doesn't mind us having things. He just doesn't want them having us. And they had this guy, right? The widow's might, that story, while it can be used to uh, talk to people about their giving and how God provides for his children through their giving. He's a God of multiplication. But this shows he's a God of percentages, you see. People that make millions and throw a 20 in the offering basket 
or even a hundred or a thousand. That doesn't impress God. Even those of us who get what we have and pay everything and think about what's coming up and going out to movies and dinner and all that, and ah, maybe not this week. You see, that's not that's not trusting God. It's about trust. It's about faith. Jesus talks about money because He says if you don't understand the parable of sowing and reaping, spiritual sowing like a farmer sows seed and then reaping the harvest, he said, and He's talking about money at the time, He said, you're not going to understand anything else that I talk about. So you have to understand that everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. Your words, your thoughts, your talents and abilities, your time, your money. Everything is in seed form and you're sowing seed all day, every day. And you're going to reap a harvest. And when you sow a seed, when I sow a tomato seed, do I get a cucumber to grow out of that? No. You're going to sow, you're going to reap what you sow later than you sow, more than you sow. Amen. But he was bragging on the fact that this woman had put all of her trust in God. I tell people all the time, if if what you have isn't enough to meet your need, make part of it your seed. Stop eating your seed. It's about trust. And that's what God has been talking to me about this week and showing me wonderful things. I want to read something for you. Let's go all the way back to the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 14. Now, you all know the story as well, or better than me how God sent Moses back to Egypt after he tried the first time at 40 to be their deliverer and failed on his own strength and his own way and he went on the back side of the desert for 40 years tending his father's sheep father-in-law's sheep in the desert and so at 80 God had finally gotten Moses out of Moses and he was usable. And he sent him back to get those Hebrew slaves, didn't he? Out of bondage in Egypt. And Pharaoh's heart was hard. Prideful. When we in pride and when we hearts are hardened toward God, we do stupid things. We say stupid things. We convince ourselves of stupid things and then we wax cold to God. Wax cold like dipping that string in the wax over and over and over to make a candle. It takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight. Some people have built entire lives and lifestyles around a lie. And now the very thought of agreeing with this is something they can't bear. It would be too painful to undo, you see. 
it's a sad thing and a sad place to be and we don't ever want to get to that place where we're we've lost sensitivity to the prompting and leading in of the Holy Ghost he will continue to try to reach us but when someone goes to hell it's not because God gave up on them it's because they gave up on him and waxed cold finally and then just separated themselves from God to the point that they were lost it's not God's will that any should perish amen that's what the Bible says but some will and he'll protect that free will because he wants a family that loves him and chooses him for him he doesn't want robots otherwise this would not all be necessary Exodus chapter 14 so Moses went back and Pharaoh's heart was hard ten plagues came one at a time upon Egypt to try and show Pharaoh look you're dealing with God this is not just a man Moses was afraid to go he made every excuse there was God let him use Aaron his older brother that uh, as his mouthpiece and when he said what if they don't believe me he said what do you got there in your hand he said a stick a staff he said throw it down he threw it down on the ground it became a snake and he ran from it <laughs> scared just like most intelligent people would do then he told him reach down and pick it up by the tail which again most intelligent people would not do but I believe by this time Moses had decided after those 40 years in the backside of the desert if I get another chance I'm going to do it God's way if it kills me and he reached down picked that snake up by the tail and it became a staff again and he used that all the way through the story didn't he so here we go Pharaoh has released them after the Passover which was the hardest one where God killed all the firstborn of Egypt even the cattle except for the Hebrews said the blood on the mantle which is a picture of the blood of Christ amen. amen he released them and they marched out into the wilderness and God went ahead of them in the, the heat of the desert uh, God in the form of the Holy Spirit went, went ahead of them as cloud in the day a pillar of cloud in the day to keep them from baking in the sun and a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm because it gets cold, believe it or not, in that hot desert. To lead them and guide them and protect them. Amen. Well, they got to a place. God had a plan to get him some glory, you see. And sometimes God has to get us into situations and circumstances that are overwhelmingly uh, 
They just don't seem like they're... They seem insurmountable. The problem. Nothing we can do. Too big for us to handle. It's a done deal. God told Moses what he was going to do. Moses didn't tell the people. Sometimes it's best not to tell everything that God tells you. People might not go. But they're camped now with their back to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh has changed his mind. God hardened his heart. And he's, he says, we're going to go get them back. Go put them back into slavery and bring them back. And he sends 600 chariots, plus all the chariots in Egypt. Big army, huge army. And he, he gets his chariot and there they go. Well, they get there and they're, they're blocked by the pillar of fire. But anyway, let me just start reading and let the Lord tell the story, okay? Chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal-Ziphon. <laughs> you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot, you know, after all the things that God had done, you know, how dumb can you be and still breathe to, to go after these people? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots in Egypt with officers of, over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea in front of Baal-Ziphon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Now listen. This is a two-sided coin. They had seen all the miracles that God had done too on their behalf. And yet they continued to be in disbelief and grumble and complain. Not only here, but in the chapters and pages to come. And just a few days after this wonderful thing we're about to talk about happens. So for 40 years even. Sometimes we just need to remember all the good things God has done. Focus on that. Amen. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, 
Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Verse 15. Divine grace. The Lord said to Moses. Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. I want you to remember that verse 15. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who is going before the host of Israel, who was going before the host of Israel moved and went before them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before men and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud in the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic clogging their chariot wheels, so they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The next chapter is uh, halfway 
Half of it is a song praising God for His greatness and in glory, and then they start complaining again. You know, the Egyptian army, that's when, when the Bible talks about Egypt, it's always talking about our old life. It's talking about the world system, a worldly uh, a worldview of sin and corruption and a demonic worldview. So right now we have the Egyptian army face off against the church, against our nation, against God's people, and the Red Sea at our back. Only God can part that sea. I like how God tells Moses, what are you praying to me for? What are you coming to me for? Take your staff and stretch it out over the sea. There is a time to pray. And then there's just a time to act and to stand in faith. God had already given him authority to work miracles in his name. That was no longer Moses' staff. That was the rod of God. I've already given you everything you need to do everything I've told you to do. Now get after it. You know, in 2000, I don't know, well, most of you are old enough to remember, in the year 2000 when Al Gore and President Bush were at odds in the election and uh, the headline said President Gore Gore defeats Bush 271 electoral votes to 241 and I think for something like 39 days the nation thought Al Gore was president do you remember that? Um, I've also matter of fact if you don't want to look at it later see here the Washington Times President Gore right there and uh, and uh, there's another one that you might not be aware of but in 1948, the Chicago Tribune. This is President Truman holding up the newspaper from the Chicago Daily Tribune. It was called then. Dewey defeats Truman. You see that? It wasn't so. Look at Titus 1.16. 
Pastor Timothy. Back. All your T's back there. Timothy, Titus, First and Second Thessalonians. Five T's in a row. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Titus 1.16 They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. There are a lot of people professing God. They'll use Him when they want to, when they need a when they can discern that, that you love God, well, they'll put on a, a hat that says they do too. Now, we're not the judge of the motives, intents of a man's heart. God is that judge. But we're supposed to judge all things, and we can see. We just don't pass final judgment, condemnation on someone. That's His job. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But we are to judge all things, and it's not hard to discern, if you have a discerning spirit, some of the things that are going on in the world today. Romans twelve nineteen, God says, Justice is mine. And His justice will prevail. Uh... I'm trying to find something here. If you bear with me for just a moment. And then I'm going to uh, read something to you if you'll let me. If I can find it. <clears throat> Psalm 2.4 says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. <laughs> he scoffs at them. You see? God is God has got a sense of humor. Who said that earlier? I think Randy told me that earlier. He does. And you know, I remember Billy Graham one time saying that there was a man that came to one of his meetings and they were big, you know. Picture yourself in a football stadium. It was usually something like that and it was full. But there was a man that came forward and he the devil always is going to try to draw attention to himself. And he told him that he didn't believe. And he was going to prove it in front of all these people, you see, that were falling for his con job. And he said, if there's a God in heaven, he'll strike me dead right now. I invite him to in the next 60 seconds. So Billy waited patiently. The time passed, and the man said, See, that proves that there's no God. And Reverend Graham said, No, that just proves that you can't exhaust God's patience in one minute. Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 20 Paul tells us not to despise prophecies 
we, um, I, we, if you are in this church, we are an apostolic ministry. We are evangelicals. We are a Bible-based, spirit-filled, God-fearing, Jesus-loving, blood-washed, part of the body of Christ. And we believe that when Jesus ascended, He gave gifts to the church in the form of ministers and ministries. He gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And those are all still very much alive in the body of Christ. Now, we are supposed to not despise prophecies, but we're also supposed to you can describe prophecy as something uh, like eating fish. You eat the flesh and spit out the bones. Yeah. <clears throat> there are false prophets and there are people that really are in the office of a prophet. I know some of both. I know some who think they are called to the office of apostle, prophet, Evangelist, pastor, teacher, I know some of all of those who are not in their right place in the body as far as I have witnessed. And then I know others that are spot on. And they don't need any proof, you see. Once God tells you something, you don't seek the counsel of men. It's written in heaven. That's what makes me unshakable in my calling. And that's a comforting thing. Because had none of you showed up today, I would be preaching this same message right here, right now, as long as I could have gotten in the door. Otherwise, I may have done it in the parking lot. Right. And I've done that before. And that's a hard thing. That's a lonely thing. But I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. Amen? I, I saw some interesting uh, prophecies this week. I think... Uh, one of you sent me one, and it it was right in uh, <laughs> it was right in line uh, with everything that I was trying to. Uh, I avoided the television this week, and I avoided a lot of uh, uh, rhetoric and things like that because I wanted to hear God, and I didn't want it to be skewed. Because a lot of times you put a lot of stuff in, and then you have to go and you have to pray longer to get rid of all that. You know, I don't know if I'm making sense, but to enter into the presence free of all bias and preconceived ideologies, you you really need to have a clear head to hear God. And so that's what I've been doing. And God and I have been having a time and I I love him for it and uh, it's been it's been good. But I, I did get one. And uh, I'm just going to keep this uh, short today.
but I, I wanted to read this to you because this one came uh, not from my pastor, but from his uh, he and his wife. Uh, basically, the same things God had been sharing with him, similar to what I have been hearing, and it was a friend of theirs that has sent to them. Amen. So I'll read it to you. <laughs> Uh, a lot of flame emojis here. <laughs> Spirit of God, it's not over. Don't let go of your faith. And this is this is an everyday message. That right there can stand alone for a Christian for every day that God gives you. And there's only one day with God. It's called today. This is the day. Of your salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. You're not promised any other. So spend all the grace that he gives you today. On what he has called you to do. And to be today. Amen. But don't. Don't let go of your faith. It's not over. The winds of justice are blowing. It's November 6th. As we stated in yesterday's Give Him 15, which is the name of this particular prophetic thing, we are turning our hearts toward the battle regarding this election. We will continue to do this until it has been decided righteously. For those of you who have been following Give Him 15 for a while, you will notice that at times we even change the format as we do this. For today's prayer and decree, I'm sending you this, the powerful prophetic word released on November 4th. This is from Lana Vosser. She's a respected prophet in Australia. Here is Lana's word. As I sat this morning with the Lord this morning and seeing the incredible battle that's taking place over the United States, I heard Psalm 2-4 resounding loudly in my spirit. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. That's the new the NASB. God enthroned merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. Exclamation point. That's from the Passion Translation. I then heard the Lord say, Justice is mine, says the Lord. There's going to be a divine demonstration of the justice of God that is going to be seen in the United States of America. The demonstration of the Lord's Power and his justice to overturn is upon the United States of America. With my mighty hand, I shall overturn the plans of the wicked. I then heard the words thundering, My people, you are about to see a major demonstration of the power of my prophetic voice in the earth. I was surrounded by such a strong sense of the voice of God being manifested in the earth that never before like never before, and it came in explosive waves. I began to see a united church that had arisen like never before, and they refused. This is the revival that I've been talking about for, for several years now. And they refused to move from the Word of God and what the Lord has spoken. And I heard the collection of the voices thundering into the United States. The word of the Lord was shaking the nation and it was thundering upon the land like a hammer. Tavana 
spirit bore witness with this when I started talking about the thundering. She and one of her co-workers who was a Christian had just been talking about this and they were saying the same thing. The thundering, the thundering, she said, kept coming, recurring in their in their conversation and what they were getting from God. And <clears throat> I then heard the Lord say, these are the days of my majesty. These are the days when I am... Re- Revealed as the King of Glory, I am stepping in to reveal my Majesty, and that I am the one who laughs at the plans of the enemy. When the nations conspire against me, Psalm two verses one through five, and my ways, I am about to demonstrate my justice, and there will be a major ripple effect of my justice in the United States of America. I am branding the United States of America with my justice. Let the days of justice roll on in. Let the days of my divine justice being manifested roll on in thick and fast. I am coming for the words of mere man, the pride and wickedness of man to come against my plan is going to come tumbling down. The winds of my justice are blowing. I will not only bring justice now in this moment, but I am moving it moving to overturn eras of injustice. As I continued to seek the Lord, I heard the Lord say, My voice wins. The sense surrounded me so strongly of other narratives being spoken that are not in line with the narrative of God and what the Lord has spoken. And the invitation upon the church now to be ferocious in faith and focus upon what the Lord has spoken and the decree of God in the United States. Again, the words thundered around me. My voice wins. My voice will cause the nation to tremble. Isaiah 55, 11 surrounded me. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I am restoring the roar to my people. Within my people, I am raising up a roar within them of faith and conviction in what I speak and the demonstration of my power that will be seen as my people partner with my voice and decree. Some of the greatest injustices, hidden agendas, and evil will be overturned. The overturning will come with great shaking, but my sudden demonstrations of justice will be seen and seen swiftly. Do not be afraid of the battle. Do not be discouraged by the rumbling and the onslaught of the enemy. Greater acceleration and increase of the tidal wave of my justice is being released into the United States. My people, lift up your voice and continue to intercede and decree that which I have spoken. For the greatest days of my justice prevailing and the revealing of my majesty and that I am the one who sits in the heavens and laughs have only just begun. Keep standing and decreeing that he has spoken. The power of the prophetic voice of God is about to be seen. A prayer we can pray was offered with this. I will read it. And if it be your prayer, just say amen at the end. Or you don't have to. Father, we agree with you. You say your voice will cause the nation to tremble. And that you are about to demonstrate the power of your prophetic voice in our nation. We come into agreement with this and declare that justice is being established in this election and in our nation. 
We ask you, Jesus, according to Psalm 2, that you would demonstrate your superiority and strength over every work of the enemy and over all in this nation who oppose you. We ask you to expose all corruption in the government of this nation and that fraud be uncovered and the true outcome of the election now manifest in Jesus' name. Let's decree this together. We decree that God's voice wins. His word, His word never returns to Him without accomplishing what He sent it to do. The winds of His justice are blowing. Amen. Praise God. So everything I saw in that one, I, I, I just in in my time with the Lord, I said I would either prophesy right there or I would share a prophecy, and this one seemed altogether fitting and proper at this time. And so I, uh, I, I lay claim to that, and I, it bears witness with me. Uh, the the Lord continued to tell me it's all about trust. It's all about faith. It's all about my children assuming their role and their identity. Everything that we have been teaching and learning here for the last months upon months is all lining up to, to empower and to quicken the children of God as, uh, as the servants and the ambassadors of Christ and as the soldiers and the army of God here in this earth. We are His hands and feet. And we have already been given power and authority in the name of Jesus. Our prayer is like atomic bombs. And I've explained to you that you are more powerful than you know. The enemy has no power except what we give him. And if the children of God, the people who call themselves by His name, will stop empowering the enemy by creating for him the things that he wants with their words and with their false ideologies and wrong-mindedness, then we will be better off. And we need to stand strong. There is going to be a great separating, a great falling away. We are not for division. We are for unity in the church. But the church is not the church that we see. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. And the true children of God, it will come to a day just like this. When, when Moses walked into the courts of, of Pharaoh and threw his staff down and it became a snake. And Pharaoh conjured up his demonic uh, uh, ministers uh, who were just sorcerers and they did the same thing. There, they threw theirs down and they became snakes too. But Moses' snake gobbled theirs up. And that's why I've been saying for 12 years now the children of God need to be closer to God than ever. They need to know Him as they are known by Him. They need to understand their true identity in Christ and be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit and to walk in all the armor of God in power and victory and so that they're confident in their identity in Christ so that they are useful to the kingdom of God. Amen. Let me tell you, this was and is not about a man. 
God in the first Corinthians chapter one, verse 27 says that God loves to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he's not saying he's saying that in a, a mocking uh, uh, manner. He, the the why the thing, those that think they are wise in their own minds. You see, those uh, those elitists who are educated uh, beyond God. See, in their own minds, and they have uh, decided that they know more uh, than this old book that was written by men about God in their minds. It's not. This book was written by the Holy Spirit. And it is alive and active. And it's one of the things that are unshakable in the kingdom of God. The throne of God, the word of God, the church of God, and the children of God. And you are fortunate to be born for such a time as this. So take up your sword. Take up your identity in Christ. And put on the full armor of God. Stand in faith. Don't fear. Don't run from the devil. Face him head on. Speak to your mountains. And they will be moved and cast into the sea. Amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. We trust you. Uh, We will stand in faith, believing. And we know, Lord, that you are love. You are faithful. That you are good and that you love us. You provide perfectly for us. If you ever told a lie, Lord, everything would come apart on the, in this world, including us, on a molecular level. So, we stand on your truth, on your word, and we know that you are faithful. And we love you for it. And we look forward with great anticipation all the things that will begin to unfold in the days and weeks to come. We will not live by our sight, but we will stand in faith on your truth, on your love, on your word, on your provision. In Jesus' name, amen.